0: okay
1: okay do you want to like talk for a minute and then make sure it recorded properly
0: uh no i already i did a test call with skype already
1: oh okay well you're just man yeah that's why you're in charge (laughs) so do we need intro music for this
0: uh I don't know I think I'll get that in post. I haven't I've haven't picked anything out yet. I'm no,
1: I can to. do I can do some intro music for you. Okay, let's do it. All right, all right. <laughs> and and because I did it poorly, I don't even think there's a copyright issue there.
0: That's that's pretty excellent. I wasn't able to place it.
1: <laughs> I'm not telling you what it is now.
0: So that's great. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Blue Velvet, <laughs> written and directed by David Lynch, starring Laura Dern, Kyle is it brought to?
1: No, it's not. I don't think it's brought to us by, by no. that. Uh, we don't have an official, like, sponsorship thing.
0: Yeah, but maybe if we if we say it's brought <laughs> to us by David Lynch, then he'll send me an email.
1: <laughs> he'll tweet you.
0: Yeah, David Lynch can tweet me, and I'll read it in his voice. Yeah. Why did you mention my name on your podcast?
1: No, I think he'd be happy though. I think he'd be like, "Hey, great podcast, guys. I listened to about 30 seconds of it, but it seemed real neat.
0: <laughs> the 30 seconds know. where we were saying your name over and over again." Dave. <laughs> uh, so-
1: while I was meditating probably. <laughs>
0: So I didn't I didn't know what to make of this movie.
1: Well tell me start start by telling me what you think of it because you're not you're not a big David Lynch fan like I am. So I have a lot of preconceived baggage with this movie that I haven't watched again in a while, but I want I want to hear your your take on it.
0: Here's the thing about David Lynch and and I feel this every single time I watch one of his movies, which has been now 3 times. I've seen <laughs> Eraserhead, Mulholland Drive, and blue velvet. I feel like every time I'm watching one of David Lynch's movies I'm being taken for
1: a ride. Like like a nice ride?
0: N- no, like like I'm I'm being sold some kind of art house snake oil, man. I really really want to like it and I see all the tricks he's pulling and they're they're nice, but I'm also like okay. What what why? It's exhausting. I, I feel like he presents standard narratives in an unnecessarily exhausting
1: format. Do you feel like Do you feel like you were over at uh, at, at an attractive woman's apartment, uh, having scandalous intercourse with her, and as you were leaving, a bunch of toughs showed up, and one of the guys was like, "Let's go for a ride," and you're like, "I don't want to," and he's like, "You don't want to what?" and you're like, "You were like go with you," and you're like, "Go where?" and you were like. For a ride, and he's like a ride. What a great idea! And then um, Dean Stockwell punched you in the stomach.
0: It's exactly right. It's the problem I have is with Dean Stockwell and with the <laughs> Hoppers' love what the
1: What?
0: No, I, I really like Dean Stockwell's performance. Actually, o-
1: okay, because it, the white face. I don't want to stop being
0: friends with you. No, the, wi- the white face was chilling. Actually, that was. Uh, <laughs> I really appreciated that part of the movie. It was around about that part where I realized that I was I was way too heavily invested in. In the meta-narrative symbolism where I was just like, oh, this movie is just about a guy who gets in with the wrong crowd. They just happen to be like especially wrong. Yeah. What I... was the drug-induced m- m- mealing and frauderism?
1: Well, and okay, like originally David Lynch had actually brought in like a thing of helium for, for Dennis Hopper to huff on. Mm-hmm. So imagine, imagine Dennis Hopper doing all that stuff, but with a squeaky helium voice. It would be
0: supremely terrifying. I read also that uh, Isabella Rossellini was actually naked under that blue velvet robe.
1: Yes. Well, Dennis
0: I... Hopper did not know that that was going <laughs> down when yeah. he went down. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was the first time they worked together, and he performed his first lines to and Isabella Rossellini. Isabella Rossellini the bed, staring directly at her
1: labia. Yeah, and apparently she was all embarrassed, and he's like, "He was like, well, I've seen it before, because <laughs> Dennis Hopper has seen like a huge number of labia. I'm sure had at that point seen oh, yeah. and continued to probably see like as many labia as he could lay eye on."
0: Back in the uh, the Easy Rider days, I'm sure. Yeah.
1: Well, he he'd just come out of rehab when he made Blue Velvet. Oh, really? Yeah. No, there's um I, on the special edition DVD, there's like this whole like hour and fifteen minute documentary where they interviewed everybody who was not David Lynch, um and had interview historical interview footage with David Lynch about it. And um yeah, he'd uh, he he came out came out of rehab and he did that movie, he did Hoosiers and he did uh, The River's Edge, like all in a row. Wow.
0: What? Yeah. I I heard also that he, um, oh, I I, I forgot.
1: (laughs) You forgot what you heard? Uh, There was something.
0: Oh, oh. they passed the script to Val Kilmer and he turned it down because he couldn't find any redeeming qualities whatsoever in Frank Booth. And then they, they sent it to Dennis Hopper and he's like, I have to be Frank Booth. I am Frank Booth. Yeah. And that means I never want to ever meet Dennis Hopper. He's passed now. But, well,
1: you uh, don't have to. I mean, if you meet his ghost.
0: God, Dennis Hopper's ghost would be so terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> what would I do, man? Uh, I don't know what I'd do. I'd totally freak.
1: I would freak out if I met anybody's ghost. But Dennis Hopper's ghost would probably be more menacing than, like, Jim Henson's ghost.
0: That's true. Unless Jim Henson came back like as, as a Dark Crystal era figure of himself. <laughs> that would be pretty scary. I, that Dark Crystal scares the hell out of me, man.
1: But I don't think Jim Henson himself was like terrifying during the Dark Crystal era. He just made um, a dark fantasy for children.
0: No, no, I'm saying if he came back as a puppet of himself...
1: Oh well so
0: uh, the Dark crystal era where like if he was a Muppet of himself, that would be awesome. There ain't nothing in the world I love more than the Muppets. They make well, me yeah. for sheer joy. But but the dark crystal
1: ooh. I you know what? I think if I met anybody who was a ghost who came back as like a puppet or a Muppet of themselves, I would still be really upset. Yeah, I, it would be trouble. I think I'd be I think I would end up institutionalized.
0: Unless it was an actual Muppet. I mean, like, if a Gonzo ghost like the, appeared above my bed, I'd be like... like, like hey. the
1: ghost of Ernie? <laughs> who presumably died of AIDS? <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, You'd Robert. be like,
1: always use a condom!
0: Even puppets. rubber Ducky, you're the one! <laughs>
1: Oh, that uh, makes way more sense now. I
0: know, right? Oh, it was, all right. It was, uh, it was a message. It was a subliminal message to practice safe sex.
1: We we managed to talk about Blue Velvet for maybe five minutes.
0: I know. I think we should <laughs> maybe get back on track.
1: I Well, for, you know, certain values of track. Um, the thing about Blue Velvet that I noticed watching it again uh-huh. is um, of all the uh, – because, okay – it's like his fourth film. He made a Racerhead, which is just about the David Lynchiest thing ever. Um, yes. Oh my God. I, everything else, I mean, is never going to be quite as purely David Lynchian because he didn't spend God knows how many years on it, uh, fiddling with it and making it perfect. You know, just just because he he, just because it's not a Racerhead. A Racerhead is, is is some kind of pure expression of David Lynch's. Um, Filmic ethos, or I don't know what. Anyway, so you've got you got a So he makes a head. Then he makes the Elephant Man, which is mainstreamy. It's it's David Lynch, but it's you know it's a fairly mainstream film. Then he makes Dune, oh, which is yeah. That's, Have you seen
0: Dune? You know, I I lied at the top of the broadcast. I've I've seen most of Dune. I got to like. <laughs> here's the other thing. I've read most of Dune. I got to the last seventy pages of Dune, and I was like, fuck it. So. And So exactly you
1: don't actually happened. know how it turns out. No, nope. you I, know what happens.
0: I, I got to the part that I read when I watched the film. I watched. I got to the part that I read, and I was like, "I've seen enough."
1: I don't. The thing is that the the, the film Dune and the book um, after approximately the part that you're talking about diverged significantly uh, in certain ways. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that 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 Lynch couldn't really. Um, it's not that it was unfilmable, but the movie would have been much longer. So he had to kind of come up with a, with a simplified method of, of explaining things that is, yeah, anyway.
0: Three hours long. It's not, it's like two. It's three hours long.
1: Here, no, here's, I'm looking, I've got my DVD at hand. I'm looking at the, Um, it's two hours and 17 minutes. Oh,
0: fine. Okay. Anyway. Maybe I'll watch it. It's shorter oh. than the Dark Knight Rises.
1: <laughs> That's. That's your criteria?
0: Well, no. It's just oh. that I really enjoyed The Dark Knight Rises, but if I didn't enjoy it, I would have trouble paying attention for 2 hours and 43 minutes.
1: Well, I'm not You don't have to watch. I mean, Dune is a very flawed film. Well, yeah, I'm didn't not... he
0: add some kind of floating like angry space manatees that weren't in the book?
1: Uh, they're kind of in the book. I mean, the 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 um Navigators are described similarly in later books, um, but he sort of took it to an extreme. I mean, the thing about the thing about Dune the film, and this is not the film we were supposed to be talking about, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> the thing about the thing about Dune as a movie is that it is not a perfect adaptation of the material. Obviously, like it's, it's a it has a David to take Lynch liberties. Interpretation but it's okay but it's 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 um while the let's say while the the surface trappings are in some and narrative structure are in some ways different i mean in some ways they're v- verbatim i mean like the first chunk of the film is very very holds very true to the the content of the book um with the available technologies but the thing is that the um the soul the the texture of it is is very much like the book um even when it diverges it it feels very similar so i feel like it's a a good adaptation on that level and that I can watch it and I'm like yeah this feels a lot like Dune this feels similar to me reading the book I'm getting the same vibe off of it as opposed to I, I, I tried to watch the mini the TV miniseries that, that they did of Dune and I stopped watching after about maybe half an hour because I was like, yes, this is all exactly like in the book but it's kind of boring me because it's not doing anything interesting with it it's, it's just trying to present the book to me visually and I would rather have somebody try to put a stamp on it and do something interesting yeah. um, and I think on a certain level Lynch was perfect for the material but I think on another level the material is not highly adaptable or, I mean, you could do it I mean, Lynch could have done like a five-hour cut that probably would have been closer to all the material that was necessary, but nobody would want to watch it except you know a very small handful of people it wouldn't have been commercial it was
0: i mean I, intended I, to i think I think it was the space manatees that lost me because I, really? Well, yeah, because okay. I, like I kept watching for another hour afterward, but uh, at, around an hour afterward, I reevaluated my choice, and I was like, you know what? If the book had said anything about intergalactic dugongs, then I probably would have <laughs> been okay with that change a little while ago. But well, they're
1: they're in a later book. All right. Okay. But y- yeah, no, okay, you're not. going
0: to finish the book. But...
1: I've and read it's... five out of six of them. Uh, anyway, but we're going to talk about Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet. Is uh, is uh, right. of a film? so okay anyway so it's his it's his fourth movie it's the movie he made after dune which was not a success um financially Dune and possibly not a success creative.
0: or blue velvet wasn't a success no
1: Dune wasn't a success. Blue Velvet was not a success initially either, but that's not yeah. what I'm talking about. So anyway, so he's made one really David Lynchy movie. He's made one Se- Elephant Man, which is kind of Lynchy but still quite commercial. I mean it's got it's got very Lynchian elements to it, mm-hmm. but it it's not a pure expression of his of his of his cinema. Dune is even less so. Uh, and then he makes Blue Velvet and Blue Velvet is more Lynchian, but for like any any other David Lynch movie that's like not the straight story, uh, it's the probably the most audience friendly Lynch movie. It's the he's dialed down quite a bit from his his. I mean, you've seen Mulholland Drive. I mean, it's Blue very, Velvet. It's,
0: yeah, it's a lot more accessible than Mulholland yeah, Drive. That's for this sure. This is
1: what I'm saying, and I I, I think I re, I expected it to be Lynchier, and I'm like, man, this is only like fifty percent Lynchy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And there's stuff I can point at that's like super Lynchian. I mean, that nobody else does like the sound quality, the sound editing and and, and and stuff like that. Like the kind of sounds he does and stuff. But there's some of it that I'm like, this is just like a, you know, sort of a regular weird movie.
0: Yeah. yeah. The, the Lynch... The lynchiness comes in packets, I think. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, like, the, I think the lynchiest scene in the movie is right at the top of the film when it's panning around those roses and it's playing yeah. happy music. That is the most terrifying scene in that movie because I don't know if it's because I'm expecting something to go wrong or whether it's because it just looks so happy that it can't possibly be true. But, I mean, that's that's the biggest problem. I don't. I, I wouldn't say problem. That, that was just what it set the tone for me in a way that I was looking yeah. for a lot deeper meaning in all the places. When I was like, oh, this is just a standard narrative with like really messed up stuff. What yeah. I really did like was the bug motif. Mm. The guy goes down watering his lawn, and then we track into the garden, and there's like a rabble of of beetles going on underneath there. And ever since then, there are there are bugs. And the bugs represent decay, and for this movie, decay is reality, and artifice is is what's happening between the people. Like whenever the first few lines are so poorly acted, and I feel like it's on purpose.
1: <laughs> it's I, I'm I'm sure it's intentionally stilted.
0: It sounds intentionally artificial because yeah. they're nice people talking to each other nicely, and the, the most authentic dialogue is comes out of David, David Dennis, Dennis. Hopper's mouth. Yeah. yeah, and He's calling people fucking fuckers and. So yeah. to your fucking stuff like
1: that. Well, Pabst Blue Ribbon, you know.
0: Pabst—that was another thing.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> you don't like Pabst Blue Ribbon. No, I love Pabst Blue Ribbon. Oh, I'm gonna have to. It's ruined for you now. Yeah. You're gonna have to switch to Heineken.
0: I'm gonna go to a punk festival at the end of October, <laughs> called Fest in in Florida, and all.
1: That is just a lazy festival name.
0: No, it's 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 a perfect festival name because there's Fine. no there's no branding. It's a punk festival. <laughs> name. What, right. do you, what do you want? So I'm gonna go there, and the, it's sponsored by PBR. <laughs> PBR is like the cheapest beer you can get in the state of Florida, and it's just always on hand. It's like fago if you're a juggalo. It's just uh, what? You know okay. what juggalos are?
1: No, I know what juggalos are. Did you say fago?
0: Yeah, fago is a it's a pop that they drink.
1: Oh, is it only for juggalos?
0: Well, it's like, it's cheap off-brand Coke-type pop that you get in, like, Michigan oh. and the South, where Juggalos come from.
1: So it's like RC Cola, basically.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like um. cheap off-brand Coke that Juggalos can afford because they don't have jobs because they have too many piercings to do an interview. <laughs> okay. And, like clown tattoos on their faces.
1: Well, yeah, yeah there's that. There is that. Well, they I just like... need to open their own juggalo boutiques and stuff and hire their own kind. Oh, <laughs> God. That got racist, like. And it's not even a race, I guess. But, man, that's, that sounded terrible.
0: No, it's – I mean I don't Ugh. have a problem discriminating against juggalos because <laughs> juggalism is a choice. <laughs>
1: No, wait. No, dude, look, you're born a juggalo, okay? You don't get to choose. You, you're you born a juggalo. You may not know it, but one day you listen to Insane Clown Posse and you realize that what you've al- you always should have known, that you always felt, you know, walking down the street that you were different and now you know how. <laughs> I would assume.
0: And you come up with a juggalo name?
1: Yeah, like what? Juggalina.
0: Juggalina? Or girl. Or like... Um... There is a sketch on the internet where they did Juggalo News, and it was all presented very deadpan, but it was by mm. Juggalos. And all their broadcaster names were things like Cock Strangler <laughs> and Murder Bitch.
1: Here's the here's the thing. Now, now, while we're making fun of Juggalos, this is something that actually bugs me, um, is people making fun of Juggalos. Okay. And I will tell you why. It's not... I, I'm okay with people, in general, making fun of anybody, including Juggalos, including whoever. But the... Um, Geekier contingent of the internet, like the Boing Boing crowd, if you will.
0: What's a Boing Boing?
1: You know, okay, Boing Boing's a, 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 a popular uh, link blog website uh, that um, is popular with, uh, with the, the geek type crowd.
0: It's kind of like Digit or Reddit? It's
1: not really like, it's more It's a, more of a link blog, but they, um, Cory um I think, started it or was, you know who Cory Doctorow is? Nope. Okay, Cory is a writer. Anyway, there's there's a coterie of people who who, were, who write for Boing Boing, and it's mostly a link blog. It's a you know sort of geek news stuff, and they're very pro open source and pro sharing your wireless with everybody in your neighborhood, and oh, okay. that. Got it. And I used to I, I used to read them all the time, and I sort of got away from them because I was annoyed by certain aspects of the site. But anyway, one of the things is they latched onto Juggalos, and then Geek Culture latched onto the idea of Juggalos, and and oh, isn't this interesting and funny? And I'm like, well it's their own thing. Maybe we should leave them alone. Uh, and the reason I say that is they did, you know, stuff to the point where um, you know the whole the fucking magnets thing, of course.
0: Yeah, I know the fucking magnets Yeah, thing.
1: fucking magnets thing. So some there was, a, there was an insane Clown Posse concert somewhere, and a bunch of people thought that it would be funny to set up, like, a juggalo science fair to explain science to them outside of it. And they're... <laughs> yes, okay, concept is funny, but here's the thing, there are these, like, I look at it as, and and the the thing is that the jugglers were quite hostile towards this, and I understand why. Because it's like, let's say I was standing in line outside a comic book convention, and a bunch of people came up and i don't know had like biff pow signs or something and all they know about anything comic book related is the adam west batman and they're they're doing that that joke to death all these people know about juggalism, if you will is is fucking magnets and they're like haha we're going to we're going to go and do this little thing and i'm like you have no business getting in their culture they have a specific you know culture fandom whatever that they're part of and you're not part of. You're external to it. And you're 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 trying to appropriate it. You're basically doing some sort of geek cultural appropriation. I think you should leave them alone to enjoy their thing and you can maybe make fun of them occasionally, but you don't belong there and you don't I don't know. It makes me mad. It's the kind of thing that geeks get really mad when other people do to them and then they go and do to people and i'm like you just need to realize that that's not appropriate
0: but the thing about the people showing <sighs> up at the at the comic con with with biff power signs to make fun of the geeks i mean yes that that is correct that is something that that like they've latched onto a small item of the culture and they're they're exploiting it at the at the expense of their their subject and and i agree that 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 would be bad but setting up a science fair at at a juggalo convention i think is is a good thing i mean yeah i think it's funny and it probably is rooted in malice but the (laughs) problem i have with juggalism (laughs) here's the thing about juggalism is that it it's it's an ideology it's a community founded on an ideology that supports stupidity and and withdrawing from the educational system withdrawing from new ideas and uh, it promotes hate in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, they're really accepting of each other because every single one of them is different. They're a special snowflake that <laughs> doesn't fit into the rest of society. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and that's all well and good. But they also bandy about the term faggot like it's nothing. And that kind of hate speech I can't tolerate. And another thing is, like, the the fucking magnets deal is reflective of an ideology like yeah it's a hilarious joke and it's one thing that people take away from the culture but it's it's a symptom of this idea that you don't need a high school education to get by in the world because your juggalo family is going to support you and you and i work in technical support and we deal with very stupid people all day long and we know that the the world doesn't need any more idiots
1: okay well that is true i was i was unaware of these aspects of juggalism i just thought they were people who like to wear face paint and enjoy music that I don't want to listen to. And that they were essentially harmless.
0: There's a documentary that's, I think, widely available on the internet for freezies. It's about a half an hour long. Um, And it basically, it's not even a real documentary. It's just a compilation of talking heads and footage from the gathering of the Juggalos, which is the Juggalo Woodstock. It's like, I don't know, a bunch of Juggalos go out to the forest and camp and get extremely drunk and do a lot of drugs and then at the end of it there's like uh, an icp concert
1: i assume they juggle off as well juggle off yeah
0: like isn't having a, a juggling contest
1: i don't i don't maybe or you know Something dirtier? I think I was...
0: it, it probably is something dirtier. Like about midway through the video <laughs> there's there's a girl dancing on top of a moving pickup truck in in nothing but face paint.
1: Was the paint only on her face?
0: Yes. Otherwise it would be body paint. Yeah.
1: Well no, okay, yes. Face is the part of a body though.
0: Yeah, so she she looked like a clown from the neck up, which is another thing I have a fucking problem
1: <sighs> with. Well, well was... okay.
0: Clowns are not okay
1: well here's the you're never going to be okay with jugglos no matter what happens I, because of your clown phobia
0: yeah that's true I'm so opposed to them that it's just here's what happened when i was <laughs> when I was like two or three, I was sleeping in my bed thing, it had rails on it because I tended to fall out of bed at that at that stage in my life because so, you were drunk it's right because I was just shit-faced all the time yeah. I couldn't handle.
1: Shit-faced. Three-year-olds are the worst. <laughs>
0: That's right.
1: That's, That's
0: uh Yeah. <laughs> Shitface three-year-olds. And they're
1: all like, oh, I want my blankie. Oh, I'm so tired.
0: Damn it, woman, get me my blankie.
1: I want milk with, with whiskey in it. <laughs>
0: that would be so horrendous.
1: Zax forgot the milk.
0: <laughs> okay, enough. Oh god, that voice is terrifying. So, I'm sleeping <laughs> in my bed. It's the middle of the night, and I'm living in Yellowknife, Northwest Territories, and there's a thunderstorm outside, a really big, bad <laughs> thunderstorm. And I have this child's toy in my closet. It's a wind-up clown. It's got like it's like polyester body with like a, a wooden clown head with, like, friggin' that stupid doll hair in it, but it's clown-colored. And you like, wind it up. Wait, wait, wait,
1: wait. What is color? I don't
0: know, like, or- bozo orange or, like, uh, slush puppy
1: blue. It's one of those colors. I can't remember. All right, because clowns are not a uniform color. Yeah, they are. No, what? No, clowns are, if anything, multi-hued. I am clown
0: colorblind. I just see... <laughs> I just see clown... A person seems to be a person when they put on the clown makeup and they become clown-colored, and I will have nothing to do with them. And so
1: I want um, to explore. I want to explore this, but finish your story.
0: Okay, so I'm I'm sleeping, and and you so this clown you wind it up, and it it has a little music box inside it, and it plays like Here Come the Clowns or Send in the Clowns or whatever that friggin' song is. And it, yeah, send clowns. It does it like it. You can't see what I'm doing. It it like it <laughs> does yeah, that thing where it rotates its head all like.
1: Wait, all like the, all the way around?
0: No, not like, not on like that. An owl? Not on that axis. Like, like imagine, like you're really oh. drunk and your head is just like yeah. bawling from side to side.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, no. I know what you're just talking. Like
0: about. that. So I mean, I was I was leery about this thing to begin <laughs> with, but I think it was like sure. a gift from an aunt or a relative of some kind. Anyway, so it's sitting up on a shelf in my closet. My closet door is open, and it's overlooking my bed. Now the house gets struck by lightning. <laughs> which is terrifying enough. The clown ejects from my closet and lands on me. And its entire body, including its fucked up little clockwork head, is just twitching and freaking out and seizing and, and, uh, I just can't do clowns, man. Are you, Really?
1: Are you sure that you didn't just watch like one of the Poltergeist movies? Because it sounds awfully familiar.
0: I don't think I've seen a Poltergeist movie. I've seen. Well, that I think, I
1: think clown there's clown, like a clown. Isn't there a clown doll in a Poltergeist like two or something? Or I don't one? know.
0: There's. I haven't seen it for exactly that reason because Pennywise. <laughs> well, okay,
1: sure. One. But well, he, yeah, he's a terrifying clown. He, really he like, you'll float down this, here.
0: But I, I don't. <laughs> uh, I, when I was in my third year of university I was taking a drama class that I really enjoyed but we had to see four different plays that were assigned at the beginning of the year one of them was Mump and Smoot Mump and Smoot are oh. a brilliant clown duo yeah, yeah and I met the guy who does Mump oh, what's his name Mike something that starts with an H and he's a really nice guy when he's a human I shook his hand. We talked about clowns. I was like, I'm really terrified of clowns. I'm going to watch your show because I have to for school, but it's going to be really difficult for me. Is there anything you can do to make it like easier on me? Can I overcome this fear somehow? And he's like, well, maybe we'll just get to know each other. So we had coffee, and we chatted, and it was great. He's a nice guy, and I'm like, okay, I have a good attitude toward this. Maybe this is it. Maybe I get over clowns. So my girlfriend at the time and I, we go to this clown show, and we're sitting in there, and and it's not okay. <laughs> they just They come out, and they're clown-colored, and I... Oh, I uh, freaked. I've never... I stayed for the whole show, but I've never left an auditorium so quickly after the production.
1: It was... I have some follow-up questions. Okay, hit me. Okay, first of all, so your house got struck by lightning Mm -hmm. and somehow propelled a clown onto your bed?
0: Man, I'm three. I don't know, like, the first four years of anyone's life is basically (laughs) an acid trip. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but that's what I perceive.
1: Okay, okay, so... All right. So what you're what you're telling me is that this may or may not have happened, but you that's how you remember it.
0: The 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 result there was a flash of light, a crashing okay. sound, a flying clown and then a seizure on my chest. Okay.
1: <gasps> All right, and the, regardless of whether this is an accurate portrayal of real events, it's it's embedded in your psyche.
0: It's whether it's an It accurate, could
1: be a dream that you had.
0: It might be, but I doubt it. No, like my my parents backed me up on this numerous times when I've told other <laughs> okay. people about it. Like something to this effect happened, but this is the memory that traumatizes me, no okay. matter how
1: actual it is. Okay. Fair. Fair enough. Now the whole clown colored thing the whole the whole once a person becomes a clown you can't deal with them now if they just put on the red nose are you still okay
0: the, the red nose is is a is an overture
1: it's, it's like, a warning sign
0: it's like the first cross of a swastika
1: <laughs> so if somebody draws like like a low, like an L
0: if they, no like uh, the full like if they if they draw a weird right angle Z kind of off-kilter, I'm like, don't okay. you finish that. Don't you fucking dare.
1: Okay. So if they put on the clown nose, you're like, I see where this is going, you better stop.
0: And I'll either take a powder or I'll punch <laughs> that nose right off their
1: face. So Patch Adams is right out for you.
0: Patch Adams I enjoyed, but I... What? I, you're like the only one. I had a rough time. Well, I, the last time I saw it, I was like eight. I saw it when it was new. Like Why do fresh- you... Freshly on VHS, so I think I've only seen it once. The only thing I remember from the movie is Philip Seymour Hoffman like yelling about the word prick, and I like didn't know the word prick was a bad word at the time, so I'd ask my dad. Oh, Okay. And like, yeah, there's a clown nose, and I didn't like it, but I I really like Robin Williams, and I recognize that he was just had a nose on his clown, clown on his nose, <laughs> clown nose on clown his nose. face. nose. Yeah, yeah. And I really like the Joker too a lot. I can watch Heath Ledger's performance in The Dark Knight.
1: But the Joker's not a clown in that. The Joker's the Joker. The Joker's I don't even think Joker. of him as... I mean, he's the clown prince of crime, but he's not really... Uh, he doesn't he's look like a clown.
0: Much. He looks like a villain who is, who yeah. is clown-colored. But uh, maybe I can excuse him on the basis that he's a villain. Maybe it's because I
1: expect... He's, he's supposed to terrify you. That's the intent. That's right. Not amused.
0: And he, he does a very good job.
1: Okay. So, if you were to try to watch, like, if you if you somehow came into possession of a copy of the Day the Clown Cried, the Jerry, infamous Jerry Lewis uh, concentration camp clown film. You would you would decide you would say I choose not to watch this.
0: I was hearing about that actually on the radio the other day, some people were talking about it and I didn't know it existed until I'd heard about it on the radio and I was like, Oh, there's a, a hidden Jerry Lewis film about a concentration camp. Uh, maybe I can forgive the fact that there's the word clown in the title and then I found out that he was a clown at a concentration camp in yeah. the in the in the striped pajamas and I was like, No 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 no, Kate, okay, turn off the radio. I had to go listen to the oldie station
1: well apparently he has shown it to at least one person who who reported that it is in fact as much of a bad idea as one would expect it's not like a hidden gem he's not like Jerry you've got to share this with the world this is amazing this is this is you know the life is beautiful as a pile it steaming pile of turd compared to this it's not like
0: that it's it's like
1: it's like the room i would assume that it's actually worse than the room because the room isn't exactly the room doesn't offend you except in its the, it's poor craftsmanship. Oh, okay. But it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, cause offense on any other level. It's. It's. Ju- it's yes, just roundly so... mockable. It's possibly... just badly done.
0: I really like Jerry Lewis. I, I, it. It saddens me when when people I like come up with terrible, awful ideas, like uh, oh. like Mr. Eastwood.
1: I... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't really even... You know knew my position on this, which is that I simply just don't care.
0: I know. I, I, it, I, I, I am consistent... I've
1: tried to share it with you.
0: I'm consistent in my, in my marvel at your utter... <laughs> I don't even know if it's an incapability or if it's just a resolute disinterest. I, I don't know if it's something you put effort into or not but you, you just
1: it's the care. opposite i don't put effort into it that's why i don't care it looks I, it looks like a lot of work to get upset about that and i've got it looks like other things to be upset about. it looks like a lot more work
0: it. to me to, to not pay any <laughs> attention to it but maybe maybe we're just wired different it's, i'm just shrugging
1: i'm just like eh like I'm, I'm really mad about the current state of DC Comics continuity. I don't have room in my life to deal with being upset with at Clint Eastwood <laughs> for sh- shouting at invisible people in chairs. I pick my battles. Okay, fair enough. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's a that's a better battle to pick. Uh... It's it's not because it's I mean it's it's tilting at a huge monstrous windmill. But uh, I don't even like, they, there's I. I don't. I'm not going to talk to. I'm not going to discuss it with you, not to be rude, because you have zero context, and it would. It, it's a meaningless conversation yeah, to have with, that's, that's with true. you. I would
0: have nothing to add to that conversation. Yeah.
1: No. It'd just be me ranting for God knows how long, and just let me say I'm unhappy with 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 the state of DC Comics continuity. And if you're familiar with DC Comics continuity, you will probably be able to easily figure out why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So
0: that blue velvet <sighs> movie. That's <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um so anyway. Uh, I I movie. actually I think the uh scene with uh Dean Stockwell is maybe the lynchiest scene in that movie. Um Definitely. well any anything so, in Isabella Rossellini's apartment.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, the Stockwell scene for 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 our listeners, they go to this, this guy named Ben's house. Ben's a drug dealer.
1: We're not just assuming people have seen this movie?
0: Uh, Ben Ben sings Uh, a song about a clown by Roy Orbison.
1: It's not really about a clown. You really... You just... You heard the word clown, and you couldn't you couldn't hear any of the rest of it, could
0: no, you? No, I, I i was able to ascertain that it was Roy Orbison.
1: Okay. And, and well,
0: of course it into, was Roy Orbison. It's I was a more d- interested, to be honest, I was more interested in the composition of that scene. Because you've got, yeah. I uh, for one thing, it's its mostly just a close-up of Dean Stockwell singing into a treble light, which I thought was a great yeah. move. I thought that was stylistically a really cool thing to do. Because it it really, like, he looked all weird and poofy mm-hmm. in both senses of the term for (laughs) that whole scene. But when he held the trouble light to his face like a 30s microphone, it really illuminated that he was, in fact, wearing very white makeup on his face, and his neck Mm -hmm. was a very different color. And that was really cool and weird. And it made him seem like a little bit clown-colored to me, but but not (laughs) enough for me to to be completely disinvested in the scene. And then I didn't even know that... Dennis Hopper is standing right next to him that whole time.
1: You didn't notice? Well, it or like, did you watch like the Pan and Scan version?
0: Yeah, no, it, like it mostly closes in on on Stockwell for the song and then it zooms Oh,
1: well, then it, it, yes, then it okay, then it and pulls he's, out. he's there
0: and I'm like, "Holy shit, Frank." Frank. And he's
1: pretty he's getting kind of upset.
0: Frank is not uh he's not the part of the audience. He's not part of Stockwell's audience in that scene. He's 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 up there just staring down his gullet,
1: making sure he does it right. It, I don't think that's what's happening there. I think he's transfixed by it because he, Frank, Frank, Frank he is a man stage, that, well, it's not really a stage. I mean, first of all, first of all, I mean, Dean Swakwell is kind of playing it because Frank's like, Frank's like, you know, candy colored clown, go. Um, but Frank has a really weird relationship with music. Has, Frank's a real angry guy. Okay. Let's, Frank a very, Frank's angry, angry all guy. the time. And the only time he's not angry is when he's transfixed by these songs, and then all of a sudden his other emotions seem to well up and overwhelm him to the point that he is upset by it. He doesn't want this to happen. Like, he's asked for it. He's like, do this. And then he's standing there, like, you know, zombie-like. Well, not zombie-like, but, like, transfixed, mouthing the words. And Dean Stockwell sort of, like, is watching him and picks up on the fact that he probably needs to stop now Mm -hmm. because because Frank's going to gonna get when Frank comes out of it Frank's gonna be pretty pissed even though this was what he because Frank wants a lot of things but doesn't think things through he's he's living in the impulse
0: that's, that's interesting that, that you point that out that's something that I didn't really catch I mean I, I noticed that he was transfixed every time he was listening to uh, music but it like it, it reflects a lot of the uh, artifice versus reality thing where, where reality is this chaotic decay where yeah. there's a rabble of Beatles or a psychotic Frank running around town and then when there's when there's artifice going on when there's when there's art when there's music he is removed from that and just becomes himself yeah uh, before he's released back into the wild animal body
1: and every time he comes back to himself he he's full of total rage um
0: he's just refreshed with yeah with Rage. And it's like, it, it. I think that's about as long as it takes him to refresh his, his mm. enamel nitrite tank.
1: <laughs> that's not really possible.
0: It's, he's just filling it back up. Or he's just screwing in a new nozzle. Or something <laughs> like that. What I did not enjoy watching was that that skeevy hooker dancing on the roof of the car to that <laughs> song. Later sure. On when they were beating the hell sure. out of Kyle McLaughlin.
1: Or Jeffrey. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, both. We should we, should,
0: should we use character names or should we use actor names? Whichever,
1: whichever we can remember.
0: <laughs> Ebert has a test, a character name test, where yeah. uh, if you remember the name of a character more than 10 minutes after the completion of a film, then they've passed the test.
1: Well, there's – I mean uh, I read – I don't even know who said this. Somebody on my Twitter feed or something said something along the lines of – I don't remember where this was. This was somewhere. Uh, something along the lines of, like, there are some, there are some actors who regardless of what role they're in they're just that actor they're they're indistinguishable in their roles like arnold schwarzenegger you, there's no point in remembering his character name he's just the arnold schwarzenegger character. that's true yeah you know and some character and some actors um the the name of the the character is worth remembering or is at least they're distinct characters aside from the but you might as well like you might as well not give arnold schwarzenegger like an interesting character name you might as well just call him like you know steve smith every time or what have you he like alliteration mm-hmm. uh, because he's just arnold schwarzenegger and you, you almost might as well just have his, that be his character name but it, then people would be like oh god that was a terrible choice like just give him a generic name that i can forget uh that's not the same as the name of anybody else in the movie so at least when they say john i will probably know that you're talking about him
0: i think in like 75 percent of his movies he is named john
1: yeah i think that's probably it's probably ted dense or not ted danson um <sighs> who's the guy on uh, who's the boss? Tony Danza Tony Danza syndrome where most of his characters are named Tony because <laughs> yes. I think he just has trouble reacting to other names.
0: Well and I think in both cases like with the like with Arnold being named John all the time and with Tony Danza being named Tony all the time they're both marketing decisions but they're both decisions made for separate purposes Tony Danza's named Tony in all of his work because you want to be able to market Tony as Tony and there's name recognition there uh, and then people are able to freely discuss the character without the question of whether he's named Tony or not ever coming up. The the discussion we're having right now would never come up if we were working on a Tony Danza picture.
1: Well, did he, did
0: he ever do a movie?
1: Uh, yes, he did a movie about his daughter being out on the town and him being worried about it, and he was an anxious father, and I don't remember the name of it. Uh, she's out of control. I do remember the name of
0: it. She's out of control. She's out of,
1: out of control, not out of out control. Out of control. Okay. Yeah, but if and, I recall correctly.
0: Arnold, Arnie, uh, uh, Schwarzenegger, he, he gets...
1: Schwarzenegger?
0: Schwarzenegger. All right. Schwarzenegger. He gets called John all the time because he, as a cultural figure, is both integral to and divorced from the American average Joe.
1: I don't think that that has anything to do with it. I think it's just easier that way.
0: Uh, fair enough. I don't know.
1: But I want to I go back to this Dean Stockwell scene.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Because I want to submit to you. I want to submit to you, and I know you have only seen like four David Lynch movies, and not 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 all the way through for some of them. Uh, but I submit to you that there is very little that is David Lynchier than having a guy lip-syncing a Roy Orbison song in whiteface with a with a, with a with a lamp lighting him with on 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 a on a non on a, a stage like area with a weird. Muted red color in the background, mm-hmm. and specifically, it's a Roy Orbison song. That's that's like people on stage doing things is is very Lynchian. People singing Roy Orbison songs or lip syncing Roy Orbison songs is very Lynchian. I mean, um, you've seen you you've seen Mulholland Drive
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, when they go to that uh, that club or whatever, Silencio, and and a woman is on stage and she's appear appears to be singing. Roy, yeah, yeah, yeah. A Ray song in Spanish, and then all of a sudden she like keels over, and the song is still going. <laughs> and I mean, that's, that, that's that, people on stage. Pe- people on stage. Weird looking people on stage doing things like the the, the radiator lady, cottage
0: cheese face. Yeah. From uh, eraser head.
1: Yeah. Jeez, that's, the that's that's super. Just super Lynchian. I mean, that's just y- y- there's there's a. There's a trajectory of those scenes through his through his work, and I'm yeah. That that is pro- I mean as far as as far as Blue Velvet goes, the sequence with Dean Strockwell is by far the best part of that movie in my opinion. That's it, it works on pretty much every level. It's menacing. It's weird. It's 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 um, it's uh, the essence of Lynch, basically. And and more or less any I mean anything that's in um, Isabella Rossellini's apartment as well because it's a very it's a very Lynchian space like I y- you know you show show me that space and I say that looks like a, a an apartment from a David Lynch movie just the colors the, the 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 way it's it's framed
0: yeah and the well the the pattern in the kitchen and the uh, the yeah. colors in the living room and fetishism. Is an integral part of, of Lynch's work, too, where uh, the, like the first encounter, or well, I guess the second encounter that um, Kyle, McLaughlin, Jeffrey has with Isabella Rossellini is uh, is when he's hiding in her closet. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he doesn't hear the four honks because he drank the Heineken. By the way, what the fuck was with the Heineken?
1: <laughs> He likes Heineken.
0: I know he likes Heineken, but they discussed Heineken for like, I, like forty-five seconds, and then there was a short mention of Budweiser, and then uh, we go back to the Heineken later. There's a close-up shot of his Heineken bottle, and uh, and then well, okay. some screaming about PBR.
1: Well can I say that I think that's a class thing. I think I think they're setting up um uh, Kyle McLaughlin's character as kind of like a, like a college educated douchebag.
0: Back from college.
1: Back from college where he's been drinking his Heineken and hanging out with his elitist friends and now he's back in Lumberton with the uh, with the with the blue collar types.
0: That's right, who are drinking and, and except or for or the or, really or perhaps Blue Ribbon,
1: yeah. He's because he's spot. yeah. Which I didn't, I mean, now that I know that Pabst Blue Ribbon is apparently super, like, cheap beer, which I, because I don't really drink. Um, I don't know these things. It's not the cheapest, uh, but it's close. No. But, I mean, he's, yeah, because you're, yeah, that's a totally a continuum thing. He's he's the college-educated kid. He's drinking his hiney. Off. <laughs> <laughs> if you will,
0: uh, people call it Heine, and yeah, I can't. Like, I,
1: I can't pull it off, though. I enjoy um.
0: the actual beer, and I appreciate that they're one of the few beers left that have uh, defined aesthetic and like a coat of arms on their <laughs> beverage, and I really like that a lot. Uh, that's why I was upset when Cocony changed their cans, but okay. But I, I can't take a beer seriously that is known. You know, in in the parlance of our times, as <laughs> as Heine, it would be like it would be like having a really good hefeweizen that was named like Tushison or whatever, and then people called it Tuchas.
1: Okay, I'm going to take your word on that. But yes, I see the I see the problem. But anyway, I think the reason, probably narratively, um, it was belabored is to to make the the point about where he's coming from, and then make that that really distinct. Because um, you know him saying he likes Heineken to uh, to Dennis Hopper later, it's not just he's like picking a random beer. He he's really keen on Heineken. He is, he and that him. that marks him as a certain type of person, and it marks Dennis Hopper as a in 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 a specific way. I mean, obviously he's not the same type of person, but it also it marks him as a um, as a lower person um, as far as the social strata so, yeah, goes.
0: The- if that
1: wasn't already he's not he's he's not like a drug kingpin in his lair stroking his cat he's like he he, he's just a bad person who's low on whatever totem pole he probably is on and because he's probably because he's crazy and dangerous and it's entirely possible that dean stockwell's really the guy in charge here and he just has to sort of put up with frank because that's what you got to do
0: here's a question for you spoiler
1: alert Spoiler alert! For at the,
0: at the end of for, the movie, for a
1: movie that I already saw.
0: Yeah, for for a movie that our listeners may or
1: may not have seen. Well, they sh- look. I'm just gonna. I'm, I don't want to be contemptuous of our hypothetical listeners, but, but <laughs> guys, you should have You should You should have come. Haven't seen the film.
0: So at the end of the movie, when the yellow man, the fat partner of the sheriff detective man, is.
1: Why you're spoiling things unnecessarily?
0: Is dead. No, this oh. is the point that I was. This is why I said spoiler alert to start with. Oh, okay. All right. All right. He's in the room with Don Valens. Don Valens has his hair cut off and his brain's blown out all over the kitchen island.
1: Yeah. Well, and the implication is that they... The, the, that that happened i mean okay because dorothy valens is sh- shows up naked covered in blood i think the the clear implication there although it's never explicitly stated is that uh the yellow man came over with her husband and executed him in front of her and somehow she managed to like get his gun away from him and shoot him in the head s- mostly effectively she and then still had his took gun the crap because
0: well Jeff okay but, took it.
1: but well, i don't know how he got shot then
0: uh, nor do i you can see his brains falling out of his head, and he's still yeah. standing. How the hell is he still standing?
1: Well, he's but, on, he had all, some of his brains are still in.
0: I think he, I Actually, I think it was Frank Booth who killed him, because Frank Booth was dressed as the fancy man, and he came running across the street with a high-caliber
1: rifle. I don't know, because I think – but here's the thing. I mean um, – <laughs> Because because Isabella Rossellini shows up covered in blood and naked, and there's got to be, and then this is, I think this has basically happened the same night as, and then Kyle McLaughlin goes over to her to her apartment and finds this. I mean, I felt like the implication was that because because Frank shows Frank shows up afterwards and sees the, the dude standing there, and he's like, "Oh, I don't want to deal with you. You should be dead already. I'm going to shoot you." Yeah. I don't think he um, I don't I don't think he would have left him like standing there. Uh, can I just say though that the best thing is when his his walkie goes off and he just like flat out like just swings his arm out and knocks that lamp over just like as a muscle reflex. Yes. Like 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 a half-assed muscle reflex. He doesn't even really know what he's doing. He's like, this went off somewhere in the in the in the remains of my brain. I know something should happen. Well, let's activate this cluster of nerves and hope it's the one we're looking for. Hope
0: hope it's that's the one fantastic. That pushes the bullet out of our brain. <laughs>
1: is this it's like it's like when you have you're deeply asleep and your phone rings and you manage to answer the phone through your 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 half conscious haze and in my this is how it works for me in my mind i am aware dimly that i'm supposed to do something after i answer the phone and usually (laughs) like Normally, my mind pops up with, like, I'm pretty sure you say hello, and I'm not convinced that this is true, but I have no other option at that point. I'm like, okay, this doesn't sound right, but I'm going to try it, and I'm like, hello, and it turns out that that is, in fact, what you do, but I'm really, I'm really only, like, one quarter conscious right then, and it's all very – it's all really confusing to me, and I'm just really hoping that, that I remembered that right.
0: Radio's gone off. Uh, activate arm.
1: We that, do something with the arm There's that, something arm related That didn't work We don't have full access to Fuck it then Let's just, <laughs> let's just go back to standing here <laughs> uh, It's not going off anymore We must, we must have done it right
0: that, that, that seemed to work We connected That's with something and, and now there's no more sound I don't know what other conclusion you can draw Than, than we successfully dealt with that issue
1: But anyway, my point is, I'm pretty sure that Isabella Rossellini has blood on her because she shot that guy. I don't know how. Maybe she had her own gun. Maybe she was prepared for it.
0: Why is she nakers?
1: Um, maybe he made her strip down. I don't know. There's a lot of mysterious things happening. Or maybe, you know, maybe she got maybe she was just hanging out in her robe like she does, Mm. and she got like crap all over it, and she like didn't want it on, and she took it off, or I don't know. That's a possibility. I, I that's just the connection I made. I just the 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 movie offers no no actual answer for this it just i there's got to be like an inciting incident i don't think she was hanging around her house and like spilled some blood on herself and just snapped she's like oh now i'm covered in blood that's it taking off my clothes and i'm going over to to jeffrey's girlfriend's place i don't think that's how that happened i think i think she got super i think at, at the very least, I think she I – because mean, otherwise, why is her husband even over there? Because they brought her over there. The dude brought her over there to show her what was what and, and I don't know. Maybe she had the – maybe she just like freaked out and put the gun back or maybe David Lynch didn't really think about it. I don't know. But I, um, I'm pretty sure that that's how – that's more or less how that went.
0: At the out. end of the movie, the Robin on the windowsill yeah. is eating a bug.
1: Yeah. Full circle. To the first thing you wanted to talk about Excellent. Yes. and I know what, we want to know something funny interesting about that robin, yeah, okay, that's an actual taxidermized robin, really, yes, I so was
0: critical of how fake it looked, and then i was I was forgiving because it was eighty six and
1: then it's an actual robin being puppeteered by David Lynch really? a so what happened is they they needed a robin. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "We need a robin. It's getting close to the day of the shoot. We got to find someone." And apparently, robins are hard to come by. Not
0: in my a trained house, robin. man robins no. all about the place.
1: Yeah, okay, but they're not. They're they're in like the south or something. Okay. I don't. Remember. They're not actually in the Pacific Northwest. Like the place they filmed it was was more in the south somewhere. Oh. But it's an actual. Okay, it's an actual place called Lumberton, mm-hmm. and they filmed there because all the signage was correct. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Anyway, so they needed a robin. They they it was coming up on Robin Day, and they found a guy with a trained robin. He shows up with the trained robin, so they can check it out. And it's like a horrible, like like molting, mangy thing, and it's not going to work. It barely looks like a robin the at
0: all. Trichotillomania. It's pulling out its feathers and. and I it. don't.
1: It's it's just not. It's not the robin they they're looking for. Sir, and they this
0: robin is unacceptable.
1: Precisely. <laughs> so the like the I like literally like a day or two before. The shoot is supposed to happen with this robin in it, like a school bus hits a robin and kills it. Oof. and uh the I guess the bus driver who hit it kept it and thought it would and taxidermized it or something because I guess that's something he knew how to do, and he thought it would be a good like educational tool for the kids at the school they could display it or whatever, and in between it going to the school, uh the film shoot used it and and rigged it up, uh, and David Lynch puppeted it, puppeteered it um. For that scene. Wow. So it's an actual Robin, uh, but it is not a live Robin, and that is why it looks like an animatronic Robin, except it really is only – I mean, it's an anim – I guess you could say it's its its a puppet, um, but it's a meat puppet. The the animatronic meat puppet Robin. Yeah.
0: The artificial, <laughs> the, the pseudo-organic <laughs> Robin is, well, it's... is eating a bug. Yeah. Good good conquers evil. It's all sunshine and rainbows and doing dishes with Aunt Barbara. <laughs> and and I don't feel like this movie should have had a happy ending. I read that there was an alternate ending where Isabella Rossellini commits suicide and well, do not turn out well for Jeffrey. And I would rather have seen that ending.
1: See, and here's the this is part of what I'm saying about this being a mainstream effort for Lynch is that it doesn't it doesn't do that. There is that, that happy ending. There's no real um there's nothing that I mean. Isabella Rosalina gets her kid back. There's nothing that um, he's wearing that stupid beanie. He's wearing because otherwise, how would you, you could she could have just kidnapped some kid? Because I would have believed that that she'd lost her shit and just kidnapped a little boy.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's possible.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you have to. I mean, to be fair, she could have lost her shit, kidnapped a little boy, and put that beanie on him, Ugh. or bought another beanie. There's a lot of possibilities. She's very
0: there. attached to that specific beanie. It's yeah. Jeffrey I think beanie, freaks out.
1: I'm really unclear as to whether the beanie actually was playing music. But it kind of sounded like maybe it was. It
0: was when it was on the kid in a flashback. And okay. It was again when Jeffrey was spinning it. But I think there was uh, there was no audio in the yeah the, the misty. Scene well, there wasn't. The it
1: it doesn't really matter. I just I think it would be cool if it played music. Um, yeah. I mean that's 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 the that's the thing about it is it it's not an ambiguous end. It's not like oh you know it's not like. You know, Jeffrey is all smiles and everything And then you see him like, you know, nobody's in the kitchen You see him reach into his pocket and pull out some nitrous or something Which would have been stupid, but, you know You'd <laughs> <laughs> be like, oh god, he's become what he hates Which is always a good ending
0: He just starts smacking Lauren around
1: Yeah, the point is, it's not the ending of, uh, of um, <sighs> Bad Lieutenant, uh, Port of Call New Orleans
0: No, it's not That was a good ending
1: that was a good ending.
0: I was upset that it was a happy ending, and then it turned out not to be happy, and I was like,
1: yay! I, I don't have anything against happy endings, but I agree with you. I don't think this movie, um, an unambiguous happy ending, does not do Blue Velvet a lot of favors. It just it, it seems um, to go against it, the rest of the film. Um, unless, of a,
0: some, unless a dark no, but, movie is about a, a, a bad person getting better... I don't Mm. think dark movies should have happy endings. Yeah. Or at least bittersweet is permissible. But I I feel like happy endings are so artificial and phony and and oftentimes pulled out of the writer's ass in order to to give the audience some sense of hope. I feel like if you're going to movies, if you're going to a dark movie to feel hopeful at the end of it, then you're going to the
1: dark movie for a wrong reason. Oh sure, I mean I go to dark movies to feel all torn up inside. That's right. Do you feel like uh, uh, there will be blood has a happy ending? Because uh, I think I think it's happy ending for Daniel. I think he's Daniel Plainview is probably super super stoked about how everything turned out. Here's
0: here's the thing about the end of There Will Be Blood is that. <laughs> I think it's a happy ending for Daniel, and it's a relatively happy ending for HG, because he's got, like, money and a wife, and yeah, he's deaf and stuff, and he's still pissed off at his dad. But they've decided not to talk to each other, and they can just move on with their lives. Mm. And Eli, who is the true evil in the whole movie, winds up dead. But he was killed by an awful person who just went downhill the whole movie. So... It's, I gotta
1: watch that again. You think Eli's the the evil in that movie? Because I don't. I think Eli's just kind of dumb.
0: It's uh, uh, I look at it this way: um, Eli is the moral evil, and <clears throat> and Daniel Plainview is is a chaotic evil.
1: Oh, okay, so so it's like they're playing D and D.
0: That's right, and the chaotic <laughs> evil kills the moral evil at the end, but so yeah. it's a happy ending in the fact that the the most dangerous evil is dead, but the the other evil survives, and it turns out so. For us
1: so Paul Dano's like lawful evil.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> He's like a paladin. Yeah, that's right. Because of the religious thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Hi. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was attempting to
0: fit the, uh, the blue... I roll character. your d20.
1: Anyway. <laughs> I don't really do a Daniel Plainview impression.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, uh, I, don't know. I, don't know I
0: don't know enough D&D speak to do a Daniel oh. Plainview...
1: That's, it's, it's, it's cool.
0: I drink your milkshake. <laughs> I drink it up.
1: <laughs> uh, I like his little speech about how he, um about how he hates people. That's my favorite part. Yeah, I get it. He that just doesn't, doesn't care for people at all. I, I, I saw that scene and I was like, I was willing to put money that that was going to be, I mean, first of all. I don't remember if he'd been nominated for an Academy Award for that role yet at the time I saw it. I, mean, I think probably he hadn't been, but I assumed he was going to be. Uh, and I thought that they were going to use that quiet little speech about him not liking people as the, uh, the clip, but they, they used the, the, the him being anointed clip instead, which, which is a pretty good clip, but it's um, more histrionic.
0: I've abandoned my boy! Uh,
1: that's not the one.
0: No, I thought that was the one they used.
1: No, they used the one where uh, where Paul Dano's like uh, giving doing his thing. He's like, "Give me the blood, give me the blood, bloody lion, let me go home." And I'm Like, wow, you really believe in this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you're not even trying. <laughs> you're not even letting. You're not even letting Paul Dano believe that you believe. I mean, come on, wow. Well, yeah. not let me go home. Let me get out of here. He's like, "I just want to go." Okay, can we just let's get it, let's do it. Can we just I hate get this. this over with? Yeah. I realize this is this is required of me, but I'm not I'm not happy about it. uh that's such a good movie.
0: So long story short, yeah Dennis Hopper is a juggalo.
1: What? And, okay. Um, no 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 okay. Dean Stockwell's a juggalo.
0: Dean Stockwell is an effeminate juggalo.
1: <laughs> that's no such thing.
0: Well there are female juggalos that are effeminate. <laughs> While all of this is going on, what I'm staring at on my computer screen is, <laughs> is your Skype display picture, your avatar, which <laughs> suggests to me something that I already know to be true, that you are indeed a brony and there is a pink pony with a rather sassy face on, might I add, yeah, gesticulating that's... emphatically yeah. from a bushel of apples to somebody yeah. who I imagine has pushed him or her into the
1: vat Accused. of apples. No, no, no. Uh, you want, I can give you context for this Please. if you will. Okay, what is happening? First of all, that pony is Pinkie Pie. Of course she is. Yeah, that's her her name is Pinkie Pie. Okay, at least she has her. she she has in fact been hiding in that vat of apples <laughs> and has popped up to to point accusingly at at one of the other ponies, Twilight Sparkle because... <laughs> They have girly pony names. I don't know why this surprises you.